Alright, how's everybody doing? Hotep, hey, this is Michael M. Hotep, founder of the African History Network, host of the African History Network show. I'm a talk show host, researcher, lecturer, and writer. It is Wednesday, April 3rd, 2019, and we are live. Hope everybody's doing well. Uh, tonight, share this broadcast on your Facebook page. Invite your friends to tune in also. And uh, I was trying to been trying to broadcast for a few minutes now. I ran into some technical difficulties with the uh, internet signal, so I'm glad it's finally working. All right, so some of you all saw the broadcast uh, that I did uh, recently dealing with uh, hip hop artist and entrepreneur, entrepreneur, real estate mogul uh, Nipsey Hussle. So check that out at our Facebook fan page, the African History Network, the African History Network. And on our YouTube channel, Michael M. Hotep, I-M-H-O-T-E-P. Subscribe to us both places. How's everybody doing? Share this broadcast on your Facebook page. Invite your friends to tune in and also on your YouTube channel. All right, so I want to do an update on that story. Uh, TMZ had a story this morning. HelloBeautiful.com uh, picked it up as well. BlackAmericaWeb.com, B-E-T. You saw some of the articles we posted about this. Um, it turns out Nipsey Hussle was helping a friend who had recently got out of prison, helping a friend with clothes, uh, clothing, when he was at his marathon clothing store at, and, uh, at uh, the Crenshaw and uh, Slauson Avenue uh, area when he was shot and killed, allegedly, by 29-year-old Eric Holder. All right. Uh, also, uh, his bodyguard, J-Rock, says that he is quitting the business. Now, it, it, it turns out from, from what we are hearing, what TMZ is reporting, that um, Nipsey Hussle's security team did not know that he had left the house when he was at his store. Because a lot of people were wondering, well, what did his security team do? Things like this. Some people were uh, accusing his security team of not being on their job, what have you. And I didn't bring that up because I didn't have any evidence that his security team was there. Okay, so how's everybody doing? Share this broadcast on your Facebook page. I'm Michael M. Hotel, founder of the African History Network. African American, African American business owners, post the name of your business here on the thread of the broadcast. We'll let you know how you can advertise with the African History Network show and the African History Network. Email us at customer service at AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. Customer service at AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. All right, so let's jump into this. Okay, so um, you know, I I heard people. Making accusations. First of all, there's a whole lot of conspiracy theories, a lot of BS floating around about this. And we really need to stop that. Here you have um, children uh, who don't have their father. Lauren, Lauren uh, London, from my understanding, was his fiance. They've been together five years. She doesn't have uh, the father of, of their son together. Um, and her future husband and when you start putting conspiracy theories out here for whatever purpose to prop up your social media platform to make yourself look big or what have you it has consequences so we have to stop doing that stupid ass nonsense okay alright so it's being reported that at the time of this tragic and untimely death uh, hip-hop artist Nip Nipsey Hussle was in the process of helping a friend who was newly released from jail. Now, according to TMZ, sources claim the Grammy-nominated rapper, uh, we know his uh, first 
studio album on a major label came out 2018 victory lap it was nominated for best rap album okay uh for the grammys uh he was at the store picking out clothes for a friend who had been incarcerated for the past 20 years apparently the friend was one of the two other people who were also shot at the store along with hip-hop artist nipsey hustle so you know our condolences go out to the family of the two other people uh, I don't think their names have been released as of yet, but our condolences go out to the family of the two other people who were shot. I hope they have a full recovery as well. Okay. Now, while there have been questions as to why Nipsey Hussle was at his store without security, TMZ reported that sources close to the rapper said the shopping trip was for his pal, uh, was a, quote, spur of the moment, end quote, thing, and that his team had no clue he had even left his house. All right. So once again, see, when we start putting stuff out here on social media and start making accusations about people and don't have any foundation, don't have any evidence for the accusations. Right. That does harm to people. OK, we have to be more responsible. Social media is a powerful tool, but with great power comes great responsibility. With great power comes great responsibility. I saw somebody posted uh, a meme. Uh, it was uh, Nipsey Hussle. With a group of people, he had his arm around one guy. Somebody circled that and said this was the killer. That's not the killer. The same dumbass thing happened with Botham Shem John down in Dallas, Texas, right? I'm going to come back to Nipsey Hussle for just a minute. But, see, we have to be more responsible with social media. Everybody share this broadcast. Everybody needs to hear this, okay? So with Botham Shem John, you remember the brother, I think was 26 years old, shot and killed by a white female police officer, Amber Geiger, in Dallas. First of, first of all... People were lying, lying, saying they were in a relationship. Absolutely no evidence to prove that. The attorney for his family, S. Lee Merritt, said on uh, CNN, MSNBC, he said, look, they went through text messages. They went through emails, phone records. There's absolutely no evidence to prove that they knew each other. Secondly, somebody went on his Instagram page, took out a picture of him with three white girls, circled one of the pictures, said that's the killer. Not only was she not the killer, she wasn't even a police officer. She was a co-worker of his at PricewaterhouseCooper, the accounting firm that he worked at. So now you've gone and incriminated somebody who's totally innocent. Okay? So we got to be more responsible with this. Unless you're just an agent. Unless you were just an agent trying to get stuff started and to keep black people fighting amongst one another okay and if that's the case your ass needs to be exposed okay i'm just keeping it weird i'm just keeping it real with you all right okay now i can understand the passion of people wanting to get to the truth but as i explained to people on my show the african history network show when we're dealing with um both and shem john and we're trying to separate fact from fiction you can't make up your own facts then claim you want a fair trial you can't make up your own facts, then claim you want a fair trial. Okay, we have to be more responsible. All right, so let's go back to this, everybody. Share this broadcast here on Facebook page, African American Business Owners. Post the name of your business here on the thread of the broadcast. We'll try to give you a shout out. Email us at customer service at AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. We'll let you know how you can advertise with the African History Network. And if you like this type of information, you could donate to the African History Network. PayPal.me forward slash the AHN show. PayPal.me forward slash the AHN show or at our website africanhistorynetwork.com click on the yellow donate button it helps us keep doing the research broadcast the show stay on the air pay the bills all right so um, 
according to TMZ, his team didn't know that he had uh, left the house. He had gone to a store. If we look at the article from TMZ from April 3rd, uh, 2019, Nipsey Hussle was in the middle of a good deed right before he was gunned down in front of his store, the Marathon Clothing Store, uh, when he was trying to help out an old friend who had just gotten out of prison. Sources connected to Nipsey tell TMZ the reason he was at the Marathon Clothing Store Sunday uh, March 31st, 2019, is because he was trying to hook up his his uh, friend, who was a former felon, what we call them returning citizens. I have worked with returning citizens. I have helped them get into uh, college. I've helped them get funding, Pell Grants for college, okay? A lot of people, just a segue, this may help somebody, a lot of people think that if you are a uh, ex-felon, if you have a prison record, you cannot get uh, Pell Grants to go to college. That's not true. The FAFSA form, which is the which is the federal financial form that you have to fill out, read question number 23. Read question number 23. Question number 23 asks you, were you convicted of a felony? Then it asks you, at the time were you convicted of a felony, were you receiving federal financial aid? For most people, the answer is no. If the answer is no, that you were not receiving federal financial aid, at the time that you were convicted of a felony, that means you're eligible to receive federal financial aid if you qualify, especially Pell Grants, if you make, if you meet the uh, income requirement, and most of them do. Okay, so it is not true that just because you have a felony means you cannot get a Pell Grant, and grants you don't have to pay back. I know it's not true because I've helped ex-offenders get Pell Grants. Uh, to go to a community college here in Detroit, okay? So I ain't telling what I read in the book. I'm telling you what I've actually done. All right. So um, we're told Nipsey's uh, friend had just walked out of, uh, out of prison after being in prison for 20 years, okay? Our sources say, according to TMZ, our sources say Nipsey did not notify his team or his primary security guard he, had, uh, he would be going to the store by himself. It was a spur-of-the-moment thing. We're told no one in his camp was aware he had left home. So this is just a huge tragedy. His security guard, J-Rock, said he's retired from the business. He's heartbroken behind this as well. We'll go to a statement from the security guard, J-Rock, in just a minute. Now, Nipsey's friend is one of the other two people who were injured who was shot in Saturday's shooting. Uh, we're told that the third person was the friend's nephew. Uh, who drove him to the Marathon clothing store. Now, TMZ broke the story uh, that a man walked up to Nipsey Hussle and uh, fired multiple rounds before fleeing in a waiting car. The shooter circled back to shoot Nipsey multiple times, not to mention kicking him in the head before leaving. Okay, so we know that Nipsey Hussle died of his wound. So, uh, police have arrested and identified 29-year-old Eric Holder. He would have the same name as the first African-American Attorney General, Eric Holder. It's not the same Eric Holder, okay? I hope, I hope on Fox News. Now, I don't watch Fox News, okay? What I know about Fox News, I see clips on MSNBC. And I see articles. That I, I subscribe to about 35 different news sources, you know, monitor about 35 different news sources on a daily basis. So I see clips of Fox News and articles from Fox News across my timeline on Facebook and Twitter. So I hope on Fox News, because I know they think all black people look alike, I hope they didn't talk about this case and talk about Eric Holder and show a picture of Attorney General Eric Holder as the man who shot and killed uh, 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 
uh, Nipsey Hussle. I hope they didn't do that. Okay, and I hope they didn't show a picture of comedian Nipsey Russell <laughs> and say this was the rapper killed by uh, uh, Eric Holder and they show a picture of Attorney General Eric Holder. All right, so, you know. Okay, so <laughs> all right, so police have identified 29-year-old Eric Holder as a suspected gunman who they finally brought into custody Tuesday, April 2nd, after a two-day manhunt, all right? Now, the LAPD believes Holder shot Nipsey Hussle over a personal dispute. Don't, I don't, now, from what I'm seeing, we don't know right now if it was gang-related, because some outlets immediately said it was gang-related and things like this, right? Don't, I don't know if it's gang-related at this point, at this point, okay? Um... But the LAPD believes Holder shot Nipsey over a personal dispute. TMZ sources tell, uh, uh, tell us that Nipsey shunned the guy, Eric Holder, after he tried approaching him for a conversation because he pegged him for a quote-unquote snitch. Holder allegedly returned shortly thereafter with a gun and open fire. All right, need more details? <laughs> you know, not weighing into that. But that's what TMZ is reporting, okay? All right, how's everybody doing? Okay, let's see here. All right, everybody share the, uh, in the African-American business owners, hey, post the name of your business here on the thread of the broadcast, and um, we'll let you know how you can advertise for the African History Network on the audio podcast of our shows, and uh, we'll give you a shout-out when we do our Facebook Live broadcast. One of our advertisers is crazyboyhoney.com. CrazyBoyHoney.com. This is an African American owned honey company. So when you want some honey, okay, you want to check out CrazyBoyHoney.com. They'll ship right to you as well. All right. Okay. So um, HelloBeautiful.com has a has a really good article dealing with this uh, as well. And check out the broadcast that I did a couple of days ago. Um, dealing with this, or well, maybe it was yesterday. My days are running together. I just got back from Baltimore two nights ago. Two evenings ago, and my days are all running together. You know, I was speaking at the 18th annual Baltimore Natural Hair Care Expo. Okay. Um, all right, so let's continue here. Okay, so uh, LAPD announced on Tuesday that they caught Eric Holder, uh, the suspect believed to be responsible for uh, Nipsey Hussle's murder. Now, the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department revealed that the 29 year old was caught by deputies sometime before 1 30 p.m. While um, the alleged killer, Eric Holder, had been linked to a local gang, police believe that the deadly encounter was personal. And, uh, okay, prior to Nipsey's death, um, he had been a, a staple in his Crenshaw community, buying up storefronts to revitalize the area and provide a much-needed economic boost in the area. This brother was trying to fight against gentrification. The strip mall that the uh, Marathon Clothing Company was in, uh, he and his uh, partner bought that strip mall. We talked about that as well. He was involved in uh, Vector 90, which was an uh, incubator, and it, it was designed to help teach uh, STEM, science, technology, engineering, and math to African-American and Hispanic youth. Uh, in the community. So this brother was doing very, very positive things. So yes, he had tattoos. Yes, he had um, a background uh, in, in gangs, the rolling 60s uh, neighborhood crips, okay? But this brother was had changed his life 
and was doing very positive things, okay? Yes, some of his lyrics may have talked about the cars and, 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 and the money, and he had, in some of his videos, he had some gold and things like this, but this brother was focused on buying property, buying real estate, investing in his community, okay? And um, if you go back and watch the video that I did, uh, it was uh, April 2nd, I think, um, he talked about back in 2006, at Russell Simmons Get Your Money Right Summit. He talked about he wanted to invest in real estate. He wanted to buy land for his people. He, talk, he talked about the need for that. It wasn't about the money, the cars, the blame, etc. Alright, so this is a brother who had his head on straight years ago. A lot of people were just finding out about him. A lot of people commenting on him. Didn't know about him before he was killed. Okay, I knew more about him for his entrepreneurial savvy and him buying real estate. I found out about him. I, I, I saw that months ago. Okay. All right. Let's continue here. Nipsey was doing the right thing. Absolutely. And, and the, uh, the other thing is there are other hip-hop artists out here who are doing similar things. I may disagree with some of his lyrics, but hip-hop artist Rick Ross is one of them. Hip um, on Uncensored on TV1. Uh, last season, they interviewed Rick Ross. Rick Ross talked about his entrepreneurial ventures. He talked about the fast food restaurants that he owns. He talked about the number, is hundreds of, uh, of people that he employs, most of them African Americans from the community, from the surrounding community of his businesses. Now, I disagree with some of his lyrics, okay? But these are positive things that he's doing. Hip-hop artist Jadakiss. I saw an article maybe about three years ago where Jadakiss opened a juice, um, a juicing bar um, in in the neighborhood, and this was designed to help promote a healthier lifestyle for African Americans, where they could go and get all different types of um, uh, fresh squeeze, fresh squeezed juices and things like this. Right. So there are a lot of hip hop artists and entertainers who are doing positive things in the community. It's just not always talked about. Now, if they get killed, that's talked about. If they slap somebody, that's, 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 that makes the headlines. If uh, they go to rehab or something like that, that makes the headlines. But a lot of the positive things that they do don't make the headlines uh, as much as if they do something negative. Okay? All right. So, um, so prior to Nipsey's death, uh, he had been a staple in this Crenshaw community. In, in South Los Angeles, buying up storefronts to revitalize the area and providing much needed economic boost in the area. He was also known to help promote STEM, science, technology, engineering, and math among young African-American girls, help the homeless and others in the neighborhood. He was known to buy uh, shoes for uh, children at a, at, a, at a school, elementary school there in, in the area. The other thing dealing with STEM, Science, technology, engineering, and math. Yeah, Jadakiss. Yeah, Jadakiss. News1.com had an article about that when it came out. I think it was about three years ago. News1.com. Just Google Jadakiss and uh, Juice Bar. Okay? Uh, when, when we look at uh, STEM, science, technology, engineering, and math, there are about 4 million available jobs in the STEM fields. All right? It's fantastic. Back in 2017... Uh, during March Madness, NCAA March Madness, Verizon was running ads with LeBron James encouraging uh, 
us to get more children in the STEM fields. He said, we don't need another LeBron. We don't need another Drew Brees, uh, football quarterback. You know, we don't need more soccer players, things like this. They were talking about um, how many jobs were available in the STEM fields and the type of careers you can have. Okay, so this is wide open for, for our youth, but they have to be proficient in math. They have to be proficient in science. All right. So in addition to all of this, on, on Wednesday, Nipsey, uh, Nipsey Hussle's security guard, J-Rock, took to social media to announce that he was retiring from the business of being executive protection, being a security guard. In an emotional Instagram post, J-Rock wrote, Never in a million years I thought I would be writing some stuff like this, some sugar honey iced tea like this. I try not to. I really don't curse. Not on videos, okay? <laughs> not on videos, right? Uh, we haven't made a hundred million yet, a hundred million dollars. We were supposed to grow old and I call you uh, big nose, shoot joke. I, I, I call you big nose, shoot jokes on you all day. But instead, I'm, I'm here in tears writing this. I wish I was there. I would switch places with you any day. Uh, the world needs you here. I'm so confused, lost, hurt, end quote, okay? He goes on to say, I lost a brother, best friend, and mentor. All I can hear you saying now is if it was me, I would tell you N-word. I don't use the N-word, okay, but this is what he said here. Um, uh, live your life and grow. I tell you, finish what we started, reach them heights, you know, okay? He also promised to look after Lauren London, who was, uh, from one report, his fiance. They'd been together five years, have a, um, a, a son together, and he has um, a daughter from a previous relationship as well. So J-Rock said he would look after Lauren, Lauren London and the rapper's two children. He said, I got the babies and L forever. I'm done with all this uh, stuff, sugar, honey, iced tea. I retire from being a bodyguard. I love you, hustle the great, okay, he wrote. Okay, so this was on uh, Instagram. You can follow him on Instagram, Instagram J-Rock the body. The letter J R O C J Rock the body on Instagram. Okay, all right. So hellobeautiful.com has a really good article about this entitled "Report Nipsey Was Helping a Friend in Need of Clothes When He Was Killed." Hellobeautiful.com is an African American-owned publication uh, owned by Kathy Hughes. It's part of that News One. Dot com, BlackAmericaWeb.com family. We see BlackAmericaWeb.com has a uh, article as well. Nipsey Hussle was trying to help a friend the day he died. They picked that up from uh, EURWeb.com as well. Okay, so we talked about that. All right, and uh, let's see. And it's acting up here. Don't know why. Okay. All right. So let's continue here. And then we see TMZ broke this story as well. Okay. All right. So, uh, we'll go to some of your comments here, and uh, you can donate to the African History Network, paypal.me forward slash the AHN show, paypal.me forward slash the AHN show. This helps us to keep doing what we're doing, uh, keep doing the research. All right, so the internet went out for a minute. Uh, we're back. Okay, let's go to some of your comments here. froze up. All right, we're recording this on my video camera as well, so we'll put that up also. Uh, with the video camera, we'll put the video from the video camera up also. Okay, so we've got Terrence, we have uh, Toya. Uh, how's everybody doing? Bruce, uh, don't give anybody any ideas. All right, 
Not sure what you're talking about, Bruce. <laughs> okay. All right. And then also you can donate to the African uh, History Network if you'd like this type of information and research that we do. PayPal.me, paypal.me forward slash the AHN show. Uh, or go to our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, okay? The internet was going in and out, trying to work through some of these technical difficulties. All right, we have Shanita. We have Dennis. We're going to try to go to some of your comments. Uh, KG, Hancho. Uh, some of the people watching us on Facebook, all right? Then African-American business owners, hey, um, post the name of your business here on the thread of the broadcast. We broadcast the African History Network show Sundays, 9 p.m. to 11 p.m., and then we take the audio podcast, we take the audio of it, create the audio podcast out of it. We're on eight different podcast platforms. We're on Blog Talk Radio. We're on iTunes, CastBox, Stitcher. We take your 30-second and 60-second commercial. We put it into the audio podcast of our show, and uh, each episode reaches thousands of people across the country. All right. So email us at customer service at AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. Customer service at AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. We'll let you know how you can advertise with us and reach new customers. One of our advertisers is CrazyBoyHoney.com. Okay. And uh, if you have a clothing store, you sell jewelry, you sell um, African history books, if you are an author, you want to advertise with the African History Network. We'll also post your information here on the thread of the broadcast. We'll also post your information here on the thread of the broadcast as well, okay? All right, so we're back. I don't know what happened with the Internet. It was going in and out. We're back, and then the broadcast ended, all right? Okay, so we're back. Uh, we'll continue. Hey, this is Michael M. Hotel, founder of the African History Network, host of the African History Network show. I'm a talk show host, researcher, lecturer, and writer. We were talking about uh, the news that came out today dealing with uh, Nipsey Hussle, an update on uh, the story we, we uh, shared with you from April 2nd. Uh, so it appears Nipsey Hussle was at his Marathon clothing store uh, with a friend who had just gotten out of prison, who had been in prison for 20 years. He was helping his friend uh, get clothing, and he was shot and killed, allegedly, by one 29-year-old Eric Holder. Okay, so go back and watch um, the first, go back and watch part one of this broadcast. We're continuing. We're going to go to some of your comments. How's everybody doing? African-American business owners, post the name of your uh, business here on the thread of the broadcast also, okay? All right, so hope everybody's doing well. Okay, so we have LaVita. We have, who else do we have here? Go ahead and post your comments, and uh, we'll try to get those in as well. All right, okay, so uh, TMZ broke the story uh, early this morning, all right, and we talked about that. Um... Nipsey Hussle, uh, reason uh, he was at the Marathon Clothing Store, victims released uh, from prison, was a friend. And then we know Nipsey Hussle and two other people were, were shot. It appears uh, the, uh, the other person who was shot was uh, the person, that, who his friend, who had just gotten out of prison, as well as uh, the person's uh, nephew. Okay? So we know this is a tragic story as well. At least they caught the person who allegedly killed him. Just some, just, just stupid. This is just stupid. I mean, this was a good brother doing things, empowering his community. Go watch the broadcast I did um, April 2nd, 
where I went and broke down this case and, and, and dealt with uh, I dealt with Nipsey Hussle from a entrepreneurial perspective. He was a great entrepreneur. Okay, uh, Levita said I don't like TMZ. Yeah, I'm not a fan of TMZ, but TMZ broke this story. So one of the things that I do, and if you follow my broadcast, one of the things that I do is when I when I um, deal with these topics and I cite articles, I go read the source articles of the article. Okay. So HelloBeautiful.com has an article, they cite TMZ, I go read the source articles that are listed in articles that I cite, alright? So we have Rita, how you doing Rita? Okay, then African American business owners post the name of your business here on the thread of the broadcast. Um, as I was saying, email us at customer service at AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. We take your 30 second and 60 second commercial, put into the audio podcast of our radio shows and broadcasts we do throughout the week. So I've been doing the African History Network show for nine years. We have over 900 audio podcasts at our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, and on Blog Talk Radio. And uh, each episode, we have thousands of people listening to it across the country. We take your 30-second and 60-second commercial, put into our audio podcast to help you get new customers. All right, We have a special promotion right now uh, where you get three months for the price of one. Email us at customer service at AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. All right, so we have Nathan, we have uh, uh, Crystal. Crystal said Nipsey Hussle didn't have security uh, enforced on that. So what happened, as I was reporting before, uh, the, the, before the broadcast abruptly ended, um, Nipsey's security did not know he left the house. He did not let his security know he was leaving the house. Going to his store was a spur-of-the-moment thing. So he goes to the store without his security. And uh, so, as I was saying before, early, some of the early criticisms were, oh, his security was lax, what was his security doing, things like this. And as I was saying before, we can't just make accusations like that against people without having any evidence, all right? His security was not with him because he didn't let them know he was going to the Marathon clothing store. Now, this is in his community. This is a community where he grew up. So, I'm not blaming anybody except the person who shot him, who killed him. That's, that's the person to blame. I'm not blaming anybody except the person who killed him. But he's in his community, right? So he feels safe, okay? 2019 is here, and there's no better time to start working on your financial goals. My name is Martisha Patterson, and I am a certified financial planner with over 19 years in the wealth management industry. I am helping people just like you focus on and achieve their goals. If you need help with budgeting, saving for emergencies or retirement, if you want to start investing but don't know where to start, I am here to help. No need to feel alone or frustrated. No one's situation is the same, which is why you need a certified financial planner to develop a unique plan tailored to your specific needs. Contact me today. My phone number is 646-552-4384. Again, 646-552-4384. Or email me at pattersonplan17 at gmail.com. My website is pattersonplan17.com. No more excuses. Now is the time. My name is Martisha Patterson, and I am here to help. Do you have a child with ADHD? autism, or another special need? Would you like to treat your child holistically and avoid pharmaceuticals and stimulants if possible? If so, you need to head over to OurKidsCanThrive.com, OurKidsCanThrive.com, and take the Holistic Special Kids course. Shava, a mother to four boys, 
ages 12 to 5, and a daughter who is almost 3 years old, has dealt with hyperactivity, anxiety, depression, severe anger, sensory processing disorders, chronic fatigue, and more. And now her children are all thriving. Chava is a holistic ADHD coach and has helped many children privately and now. She shared all of the tips, tricks, herbs, foods, and supplements she has used to treat her own children and many others. Head over to OurKidsCanThrive.com and sign up for the course now. This is business, but to my credit life, it's personal. They care about your credit as much as you do. They want you to get the credit you deserve in the shortest amount of time. Not only will they dispute the negative items from your reports, they'll also work with you to build positive credit for future endeavors. They keep it simple in their approach to getting you back on track with their three-step process, review, dispute, and update. They dispute all inconsistent items on your credit report, such as medical bills, evictions, tax liens, judgments, student loans, collections, charge-offs, late payments, bankruptcy, and more. Don't let your dreams just be dreams. Get started today. Call My Credit Life at 331-201-9881, 331-201-9881, and ask for Robin. And also visit their website, MyCreditLife.com, L-Y-F-E, MyCreditLife.com. And visit them on Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash MyCreditCoach. Looking for technology for your home or business? No problem. From laptops to Chromebooks, Surface tablets, antivirus security software to business phone systems, JCW Computer Consulting LLC has got you covered. Be sure to use the African History Network Custom link for discount and special promotions. JCWCC is a certified minority business enterprise and part of the I Buy Black Network. Visit shop.jcwcc.com or call 215-879-6701. The Kwame Skate Company strives to responsibly make meaningful product for the black community that not only exemplifies our lifestyle, but enhances the ability to live it. To provide value to our customers and deliver top quality customer service while still having fun and maintaining our values. Our brand platform offers compelling product assortments, meaningful brand experiences, and convenient multi-channel accessibility that reflects our respect and knowledge of both indigenous people and skateboard lifestyle. Our community is committed to growth and development, to understanding and showing the world that Kwame and the indigenous community can do so much more. Visit their website today, KwameSCO.com. KwameSCO.com. Ready to start getting healthy? Well, I'm here to let you know that all natural honey is a great way to start. At Crazy Boy Honey, we offer all-natural honey for the lowest prices. Our honey has no additives or preservatives. Go to crazyboyhoney.com. That's crazyboyhoney.com and see what we have to offer. And remember, shipping is free. Uh, really a bummer. Let's see who said this here. Really a bummer. Uh, 
So we have Nathan, okay, and um, the footage the cops got is uh, very clear. Yeah, okay. Okay, so we have Levita. I still think the government something to do with the okay. So I don't deal if people know me, I'm a researcher. I deal with facts and evidence. I don't deal with a bunch of conspiracy theories. People that know me know this. I don't deal with a bunch of conspiracy theories. Things that I talk about, these are things that I can prove, okay? And and the problem is oftentimes, and I know people that put out conspiracy theory stuff like that. I see a whole bunch of stuff. I have a million followers uh on social media platforms, right? The problem is, is that oftentimes conspiracy theories become an excuse for African Americans not to do a damn thing about their conditions. This is the problem. So you have people running around putting out conspiracy theories that Michael Brown, the, the video we saw Michael Brown in the convenience store, was not from August 9th, I think it was, 2014. It was from uh, June 9th or some BS like that. No, it, was, well, no, it wasn't. It was from August 9th. If you actually look at the timestamp of the video, it was from August 9th. But you had some people who just wanted to put out conspiracy theories. You had people that wanted to put out conspiracy theories that he was wearing long pants and uh, gym shoes or some BS like that. No, he wasn't. He was wearing long shorts, and the long shorts were sagging on his behind so they looked longer. For whatever reason, you got people just want to put out conspiracy theories and they become an excuse for African Americans not to do anything about their conditions because it becomes, oh, that's not what really happened. It's a conspiracy theory. You have people putting out conspiracy theories that Trayvon Martin wasn't killed in the neighborhood he was killed. He was killed somewhere else and his, his body was dragged there. A bunch of nuts, some other BS, right? Okay, so if you know me, you look at my 40 lectures I have on DVD, okay, you see my YouTube videos, things like this. I deal with facts and evidence. I don't deal with all this conspiracy theory nonsense, all right? Okay, so now conspiracies do happen. Counterintelligence program, COINTELPRO, created in August of 1967. That, that's a conspiracy, but we can prove it. It's a conspiracy. It's not a conspiracy theory. Conspiracy theories and conspiracies are two different things. A theory is something that you believe, you, you believe, but you don't have evidence to prove it. A counterintelligence program was a conspiracy, but it wasn't a theory. It was true, and declassified documents prove it was true. Okay? So there's a difference between a conspiracy and a conspiracy theory. Okay? I don't engage in trafficking a bunch of conspiracy theories. Okay. Let's continue. Uh, Nipsey is stronger. I think they're saying stronger in death. All right. Okay. So check out the articles uh, and, and go back and watch the video th that I did uh, April 2nd. NBCnews.com has a really good article. Nipsey Hussle's commitment was to his L.A. neighborhood where he had big plans. Okay. Now you have some people saying that, oh, this is an example, because he was killed in his neighborhood, this is an example why you can't do anything in the hood. I saw somebody posted some comments from some African-Americans saying, you know, you can't do anything in the hood. They're afraid to go into it, right? Okay, well, let's look at, let's look at this, right? Um, I have lived in, I'm 47. I'll be 48 June 1st. Um, I've lived in Detroit all my life. The time I was carjacked at gunpoint, 
was in a suburb, a white suburb of Detroit. It wasn't in Detroit. Nothing has, all, all the stuff you hear about Detroit, nothing has happened to me in the city of Detroit. I've been all over the city of Detroit. Nothing has happened to me in the city of Detroit. The time I got carjacked, I was in a white suburb. Now, it was a brother who did it. <laughs> I don't know where he lived. He may have lived in Detroit, but he was out in a white suburb, okay? So, when I hear people say that this is an example where you can't do anything in the neighborhoods, in, in, in our communities, the first question I have to ask them is, what are you doing in our communities? One. Two, it sounds like they're just using this as an excuse. The other thing is, I think we really have to focus on, instead of focusing on trying to get out of the quote-unquote ghetto, get out of the neighborhood, I think we really have to focus on revitalizing the lower income areas that we live in to make them a desirable place to live as opposed to trying to move out of it because he, because see what happens is if the focus is trying to get out of the neighborhood then everybody's not going to be able to get out and then they're going to be left behind they're going to be left with substandard uh, services substandard stores substandard schools so and then what you have is you have a massive brain drain in those communities. So African Americans with college degrees continue to move out of those communities. And there's, there's no support in the community to bring development into it, to bring affordable housing into it, to improve the schools. So the goal is to get out of it, uh, out of that community, and who do you leave behind? You leave behind the people who can't afford to, to leave the community. Well, they deserve they deserve to have quality services. They deserve to have quality stores owned by people who live in the community. They deserve to own the land in the community as well, as opposed to having other people come into the community who don't look like them and own the stores and own the grocery stores and the dry cleaners and, and things like this, right, and profit off of their misery. So I, I think that we have to rethink, we have to rethink this, okay? It, it, and not look at it as we're going to get degrees or get skilled trades and move out of the community. We need to renovate the community and make it desirable. Because here's, if, if you're in a community that's predominantly African-American, right? Do you realize you can control the city council? You can control the mayor? You can control, you can have control of all the elected officials, all the all the elected official positions, you can control all of that. And you can also deal with the, the own the stores in the community, the development. But but when but when your goal is to move away from your people, okay, where are you gonna move to? Is the goal to move out to the suburbs, to move with white people? Okay? And I'm not knocking anybody who moved to the suburbs, things like this, but if 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 our definition of success becomes moving away from our own people, okay, I'm shaking the table, sorry. If the definition of success for many African Americans becomes moving away from our people, then what does that say about our people? What does that say about us? So we have to have a paradigm shift. This is what your history and culture causes you to do it. People's history and culture 
teaches us how to deal with the problems of the past and the present and the future to meet the needs of the community, number one. But number two, it, 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 you know, if you listen to some of my teachers and listen to interviews I've done with them, Professor James Small, Professor Kaba Hiawatha Kamene, formerly known as Booker T. Coleman, who's in the Hidden Colors documentaries, Dr. Leonard Jeffries, they all, when they teach and when I teach, we talk about the pyramid principle. And I show you a pyramid of uh, Khufu, a uh, pyramid of uh, Khufu in, um, a pyramid of Khafre, I'm sorry, in Giza, in Egypt. Egypt is still in Africa. It's not in the Middle East, all right, even though people want to make you think it's in the Middle East. Um, the, the pyramid has three sides. The foundation of the pyramid is African history and culture, which gives you your VIPs, your values, your interests, and your principles. It influences your economic empowerment, influences your political empowerment, okay? So we have to have a synthesis of all, synthesis of, all of these. Politics, and this is why we do a politics uh, at the African History Network on our Facebook fan page and in our, our radio shows, things like this. This is why I post so much stuff about Trump, okay? Politics is the legal distribution of scarce wealth, power, and resources. Politics is the legal distribution of scarce wealth, power, and resources and the writing of laws, statutes, ordinances, amendments, and treaties, their adoption, interpretation, and enforcement. This is, this is what politics is. Voting is a part of that. Okay? If you look at the, if you look at the 2019 federal budget, it's about $4.3 trillion. It's about $4.3 trillion. Dollars flow from taxpayers to the federal government, flow from the federal government to state governments, to counties, to cities. There's money all over the place. Oftentimes, we don't know how to access that money. It's a legal distribution of scarce wealth, power, and resources. Now, I ain't say it's the moral distribution. I didn't say it's a fair distribution. But it's the legal distribution. Okay? So we have to understand this. Now, the budget that Trump is proposing for 2020 is 4.7 trillion dollars. We need to understand where the money is going. We need to understand how to access those pots of money. We just saw that Betsy DeVos, clueless Betsy DeVos, this is an example of how elections have consequences, people. We just saw Betsy DeVos was, was being grilled by uh, Congress in congressional hearings because in Trump's 2020 budget, they're cutting funding in education by $7 billion, which is stupid. Okay? So, uh, these have real consequences. These have real consequences. So, when we post articles, people say, why do you post so much stuff about Trump? I said, do you understand the flow of money? Do you understand how Trump has been systematically reversing policies that President Obama had, had in place, over 100 policies, probably close to 150. I said, do you, do you understand? If, right now, Mitch McConnell is going to implement the nuclear option in the U.S. Senate so they can push more of Trump's federal bench judicial nominees through. They're changing Trump as dumb as he is. And Republicans in the Senate are changing the landscape of the federal bench. When Trump came to office, Trump came into office, there were about 107 vacancies in the federal bench. He's made close to probably now close to 200 nominations, 100 over a, uh, probably over 170 
nominations, probably close to 200 nominations for the federal bench. The federal, federal judges are a lifetime appointment. Okay? This is what people miss. When you, when you go back and look at the 2016 presidential campaign, Donald Trump supporters said this is about the Supreme Court because they're looking 30, 40 years in the future. See, unfortunately, many African Americans, we focus on first of the month to the end of the month, first of the month to the end of the month. His supporters were saying this is about the Supreme Court. They're looking 20, 30, 40 years in the future because that's a lifetime appointment. They also talked about the federal bench. We don't understand nothing like that. Okay? So they're, paying, they're playing grandmaster level chess. We're playing beginners checkers and don't even understand all the rules to checkers. And they're changing the landscape of the federal bench. And what he's doing is he's nominating very young, cons ultra-conservative, largely white males to the federal bench. This is all by design. Okay? So what I, if you go back, so I've been doing the African History Network show for nine years, March 10th, 2019. We've celebrated nine years on the air. You go back to 2016, I have over 900 podcasts. I have over 900 shows podcasted. Go to AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, click on the link, listen to uh, podcasts, or on BlogTalkRadio.com, BlogTalkRadio.com. Search for the African History Network show, and anywhere you get your podcasts from, whether Stitcher, CastBox, FM Player, TuneIn. We're on eight different podcast platforms. So when you advertise with this, your, your ads will play on eight different podcast platforms. So search for the African History Network show. Okay. I told people back during 2016, and I was doing national radio. Um, I was doing nationally syndicated radio. I was on five days a week. I was on the Empowerment Radio Network. So people have been rolling with me for a few years. You remember when I was on the Empowerment Radio Network with Warren Ballantyne, my frat brother, and then Roland Martin came to the Empowerment Radio Network as well. That's how I got connected with Roland, and I used to start guest hosting his his nationally, uh, nationally syndicated radio show. So people in Chicago and WVON were listening to me. People down in Beaumont, Texas. That's how I got, that's how I got connected with Roland. And um, I was uh, guest hosting um, uh, Warren Ballantyne's national radio show also when he was on the Empowerment Radio Network as well. So during 2016, I was doing national radio five days a week, and I told people that this was bigger than one candidate against another candidate for president. This ain't about one person. This, what, this wasn't about Trump against Hillary Clinton. That's not what this was about. This is about policies and ideologies and looking 20, 30, 40 years in the future. That's what this was about, okay? And we don't understand strategy. Most African Americans don't understand strategy on that level. Okay, we, we vote transactionally, one election to another election, and don't connect what happened the previous four years or previous two years and the policies that were put into place, how that impacted us. And, and, and electing somebody who's going to protect the gains that we made while still creating the environment for us to push our uh, issues and our agenda the farthest and get the most accomplished. We don't understand, most of us don't understand strategy on that level. Okay? Yeah, Republicans blocked uh, nominations that President, last two years of President, President Obama's tenure, Republicans blocked dozens of nominations he made to the federal bench. When Republicans gain control of the U.S. Senate, this is, why, this is one of the reasons why the U.S. Senate is so important. 
Okay? And going back to 2010, midterm elections, when, when Democrats lost control of the House of Representatives, largely because that, that's when you had the rise of the Tea Party, 2010, and they largely lost it because of the Affordable Health Care Act that a lot of white people love today. Okay? And uh, a lot of them have it. And, and, and it's called something else. Like in Kentucky, it's called Kentucky Connect. It's the same Affordable Health Care Act. It's called it's Obamacare. They call it Kentucky Connect in, 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 in Kentucky. It's saving a whole lot of poor white people's lives. What happened was midterm elections 2010. I, I talked to a lot of African Americans who said I voted for President Obama 2008. I'm not voting for the Congress or the Senate. I just voted for President Obama. It's like, if you, if you go back and study Michael Jordan, Okay, I'm from Detroit, so Chicago Bulls were an adversary of the Detroit Pistons, going back to the 80s. Jordan used to score 55, 60, 65 points in the game, and the Bulls would still lose. Why? Because he didn't have a supporting cast around him. He didn't have a supporting team around him. It wasn't until Jordan got a supporting team around him. He gets, you know, the Scottie Pippins. He gets the, you know, Dennis Rodman was with um, the Detroit Pistons. Then he goes to the Chicago Bulls. He gets a uh, Ori. He gets, he gets a supporting team around him who can help him win. That's when Jordan starts winning championships. It wasn't him by himself. Okay? Because when you go back and study Jordan early on, he was scoring 55, 60, 65 points in the game, and the Bulls will still lose. He didn't have a supporting cast. You got to have people in the House of Representatives in the U.S. Senate to be a supporting cast for the president. Not, not aid in the bet like Republicans are doing Trump. Not aid in the bet, but to push policies through Congress. A lot of our people didn't understand that. And then Republicans get control of the House of Representatives in 2010. Luckily in 2018, more, more people saw what was going on and came out and, and kicked these Republicans out of the House of Representatives, some of them, and so Democrats won 40 seats. They may win 41 because they had to do a re-election in, in that district in North Carolina where, where, where Republicans stole an election. Notice Donald Trump doesn't want to talk about that. Trump wants to talk about voter suppression. He just talked about, he was speaking somewhere last couple of days, he talked about uh, uh, Democrats are going to try to steal an election, things like this. He ain't talking about, he's not talking about the election that Republicans stole in North Carolina and the judge ruled that what they did was illegal and now they have to have a re-election. He doesn't want to talk about that at all. I wonder why. Okay? So all of this, we were talking about Nipsey Hussle, but all of this deals with Politics. Politics is the legal distribution of scarce wealth power resources. When we deal with every city, most cities have a zoning board, right? That impacts business. Politics regulates and impacts business. A zoning board dictates what type of businesses can go in certain places, where the strip malls can be, okay? Usually you don't have a strip mall in general. Usually you don't have a strip mall right across the street from houses, Okay, you usually have like a business district, you have stores there, you have the residential areas in general. You have some exceptions, but also the zoning board determines what type of businesses can be within a certain proximity of a church or a school. That's regulated by the zoning board. When you want to have a restaurant and you want to serve alcohol in the restaurant, 
You can't just go to the liquor store, buy alcohol, and come back and start pouring. You have to get a liquor license. Usually that comes from the state. That's regulated. That's government. That impacts business. All right? So we have to understand this. And my background is in business. People that know me, my degree is in business administration. All right, let's go to some more of your comments. Uh, may Allah, Subhana, uh, Allah, is it Allah or Alabama? Which one? A-L, continues. Post it again, okay? Uh, love so far, I said, may Allah, Subhana, Allah, forgive us, protect us, and have mercy on all of us, okay? All right, let's see who else we have here. Raymond. Did he was speaking or did he trust vocabulations? Did he was speaking on? He was talking about he didn't. He was talking about how in close races it seems like Democrats win. And he's talking about basically upcoming elections and watch for elections to be stolen. But he doesn't talk about the election that was stolen in North Carolina. That's documented. The election stolen in North Carolina. Okay. See what Trump is planting the seed for now is him losing in 2020. If you go back to 2016, he was saying the only way we're going to lose is if they steal the election. All right. And Trump is still furious that Hillary Clinton got 2.8 million more votes than him. When he so when he becomes president, what does he do? He sets up this fake voter integrity commission to try to find 5 million uh, people who voted illegally. And they largely find no widespread voter fraud. Okay. And... The vice chair of the committee was Chris Kobach. Chris Kobach was the secretary of state of Kansas. Chris Kobach was the one who, who instituted the cross-checking system. The cross-checking system, the interstate cross-checking system, knocked about 1.1 million people off the voter rolls all across the country. Okay, I've, I've talked about this. If you, if you watch my lecture, you see videos uh, of my presentation called African American Resistance in the Era of Donald Trump, Voter Suppression, Reparations, and High Elections Have Consequences. I, I, I go through and document the rapid voter suppression that took place during the 2016 election cycle and how the cross-checking system, not 1.1 million people off the voter rolls, but the cross-checking system still exists. They can still use it in 2020. And the way it worked, now, uh, Greg Palast, Greg, investigative reporter Greg Palast has done a lot of research on this. Also, Ari Berman for TheNation.com wrote a number of articles dealing with the rapid voter suppression that took place in 2016. Joanne Reed on AM Joy talked about this as well. Here's how the cross-checking system worked. They, Republicans were making the allegation that you had... Um, Thousands of tens of thousands of people or hundreds of thousands of people across the country who were registered to vote in two or more states and they were voting twice. They were targeting people with ethnic sounding names who are more likely to vote Democratic. This is who they were targeting. Here's what they said. They literally said that James Brown in Detroit, Michigan was the same James Brown in Cleveland, Ohio. And this person was voting twice, so they're going to wipe them off the voter rolls. This is what they actually said. This is what they did. They knocked, the cross-checking system knocked about 54,000 people off the voter rolls in Michigan. Trump won Michigan by 10,704 votes. Okay? So this is what people don't understand. 
Republicans feared our vote more than we valued our vote. They engaged in rampant voter suppression. I ain't even, I'm not even talking about the Russian interference. That was real, too, targeting African Americans especially. I'm talking about what Republicans were doing. Now, I'm neither Republican nor Democrat, but I see where the stuff is coming from. Okay? I got 99 problems and a Mitch is one. Mitch McConnell, Senator Mitch McConnell, I got 99 problems and a Mitch is one. Out of 99 problems, 96 are coming from Republicans. Now, I have some legitimate grievances with Democrats, but I get out of 99 problems, 96 are with Republicans because I see where the stuff is coming from. I see what they're doing. Okay? And most of our people, and I talk about this in different cities I go to, most of our people don't know about the cross-checking system. Most of our people don't understand the rapid voter suppression that took place during 2016. Most of our people don't know African Americans had the vote to stop Trump and we didn't do it. Because we were listening to people telling us our vote didn't matter. We were listening to people who told us don't vote. We were listening to people who said, oh, we're only 13% of the population, so how can our vote matter? They don't even understand how the popular vote works. They don't understand how the electoral college vote works. Okay, so this is what happens when you listen to people who don't know what the hell they're talking about. Dumbasses. I can prove what I'm talking about. They can't even prove what they're lying about. All right. Yeah, Greg Palace. Google Greg Palace. P-A-L-A-S-T. Okay. And my internet is acting crazy here. So, I will, so I'm going to post some of this information when we start broadcasting. Okay. I'll post some of this information here because the internet is acting up. All right. So uh, we'll go to some more of your comments here. African-American business owners, hey, post the name of your business here on the thread of the broadcast. Uh, also, you can register for the online courses that I teach. We have them all on demand here in a 10-course online bundle pack. Uh, very reasonably priced. Uh, we have them on sale for a few more days. Uh, it's on sale $40, regularly $130. It includes Ancient Kemet, the Moors, and the Ma'afa, understanding the transatlantic slave trade, what they didn't teach you in school. Ancient Kemet, which is one of the original names of Egypt, the Moors, and the Ma'afa, understanding the transatlantic slave trade, what they didn't teach you in school. This is a 14-hour, seven-session online course that I teach. It's all on demand. Watch at your own pace pace as soon as you register for it you can start watching watch all around the world and I do a thousands of years of history do a PowerPoint presentation of video clips article references book references then also it includes that 10 course online bundle pack includes great African women in history the mothers of civilization it includes um, African-American resistance in the era of Donald Trump voter suppression reparations and how elections have consequences it includes um, an online class I did dealing with the film Black Panther, showing how Black Panther relates to African history and culture, language, etc. So it's a 10 course online bundle pack on sale, um, $40, regularly $130. And then, so that's at AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. And uh, all of my DVD lectures are there as well. We have bundle packs, a lot of information for you. We have a recommended reading list of about 60 books. There as well, click on book lists and um, you can read all the articles that I write also at AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. All right, let's go to some more of your comments here. Somebody mentioned something about reparations. Hey, the National um, Conference for Encobra, 30th Annual National Conference and Cobra Convention 2019 is coming up in Detroit, June 23rd, 2019. So it's Thursday, June 20th through Sunday, June 23rd, 2019, okay? And uh, I'll be there. I got to get in touch with them to be a vendor as well. 
Uh, national contact area code 202-643-1460, 202-643-1460, local contact 313-399-8797, local contact in Detroit 313-399-8797. 400 years of terror, a debt still owed. This is taking place at Timbuktu Academy of Science and Technology located at 10800-10800 East Canfield Street in Detroit, Michigan, 48214. Save the date. So there's a lot of talk about reparations. 400th year anniversary of Jamestown, Virginia, August 20th, 1619. Now, if you watch a lot of my lectures, my videos that I do, you know that that's not the first time that African people came to this land. You know that the African people were in this land we call the United States of America for at least 51,700 years. You've heard me talk about this book, The First Americans Were Africans Documented Evidence, by one of my friends and one of my teachers, Dr. David M. Hotep. You've heard the interviews I've done with Dr. David M. Hotep over the years. His book has 713 footnotes thoroughly documenting an African presence in this country we call the United States of America going back at least 51,700 years ago and in South America going back at least 56,000 years ago. We were, in, we were in the Americas before Native Americans came into existence. Now this doesn't mean that we didn't originally come from Africa. We did. We just came from Africa tens of thousands of years before we were told that we came from Africa. Okay, so even though August 20th, 1619 in Jamestown, Virginia did happen, African people were in this land tens of thousands of years before that. This does not mean the transatlantic slave trade did not happen. Yes, it did. We have to understand thousands of years of history prior to the transatlantic slave trade happening. And we have to understand the 800 year occupation of Europe by the Africans known as the Moors who go into the Iberian Peninsula today known as Spain and Portugal in 711 AD, take the teachings from ancient Kemet, ancient Egypt into Europe, and this brings Europe out of the Dark Ages to our detriment. Because everything we taught them came back to kick us in the behind. Okay. So, with that being said, we have to understand the chronology of history. All right. So, 400 years of terror, a debt still owed, uh, save the date, this is uh, in Cobra. Okay. Now, I know you have people who are new to the whole reparations movement. And they think they created the reparations movement. No. When you come into a movement, you need to understand the history of the movement you're coming into. You ain't create anything. You ain't create the reparations movement. You got to go study people like reparations Ray Jenkins, who's an ancestor now. You got to study people like Queen Mother Moore, who, who fought for reparations for decades. You got to study Dr. Ron Daniels, who's been in the fight for reparations for 50 years. You have to study in Cobra. You have to study NARC. Okay, so you have to honor and respect those people who paved the way for you and study the history of the movement you're coming into. SNCC, Student Nonviolent Coordinated Committee, founded in April, about April of 1960. They didn't create the Civil Rights Movement. The Civil Rights Movement had already started. Now, they added to the Civil Rights Movement. That was a youth organization. Ella Baker helped to found SNCC. SNCC comes out of the Southern Christian Leadership Conference founded in 1957, co-founded by Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and Ella Baker. So even though SNCC helped to bring another dynamic to the civil rights movement, they did not create the civil rights movement. So, you, so when you come into a movement, you have to understand the history of the movement you're coming into and give honor and respect to those ancestors who sacrificed their lives to maintain the movement 
so you can be part of it. You have to understand, you have to go study John Conyers, Representative John Conyers, who introduced H.R. 40 in 1989. Okay? So, this conference is going on in Detroit, Thursday, June 20th, through Sunday, June 23rd, 2019. The 30th annual National Encobra Convention. So, just 30th annual tells you that this stuff started, right, before you jumped into it. Okay, let's continue here for a few more minutes. Let's try to get some more of your comments. Love Safari said, my grandma said we were already here. Yeah, and when you go look at, um, when you go look at old black and white photographs of Native Americans, and I have a book here dealing with Native Americans buried. I got three stacks of books here. I can't get to it without one of the stacks falling. It's like Jenga. It's like a book version of Jenga. But when you look at old black and white photographs of Native Americans, these were, these were, uh, that's another book, that's a textbook there from uh, Africana Studies Department at uh, Eastern Michigan University. These were dark-skinned people. When you look at old black and white photographs of Native Americans, these were dark-skinned people who usually had high cheekbones. And um, one of the things that happens is when European settlers come to this land, a lot of African groups that were here, like Algonquins, things like this, a lot of African groups, African nations, or quote-unquote tribes, a lot of them get reclassified as Native Americans. So if you don't understand the history, you won't know what you're looking for. You're looking for Negro, okay, or you're looking for colored, or what have you. You don't know what you're looking for. Um, let's see here. Look up Cassandra Butts, Senator Tom Cotton purposely held up a nomination that for the U.S. ambassador to Bahamas out of spite uh, for Obama's friendship with her. Yeah, and Senator Tom Cotton, Republican out of Arkansas. I mean, these are some devious, wicked people. You go, you go study some of these people, Mitch McConnell, Senator Jeff Sessions, who became Attorney General. Okay, I'm glad he's out of government. That white supremacist. These a lot of them are some evil people. Now I'm not saying they're evil because of Repub because they are Republicans. I'm saying they're evil because of what they are doing and have done. Okay, so just because somebody's a Republican does not mean that they're evil. Just because somebody's a Democrat does not mean that they're good. It just so happens that most of the people on a national level doing this wicked stuff, it just so happens that the majority of them are Republicans. It just I don't know why. It just <laughs> it just turns out that way. If you actually understand it. The Indians or in, or indigenous okay, I'm not sure that full comment. Some of these out there respond to the Indians or indigenous people were black. Yeah. So when when you read Dr. David M. Hotep's book and he's working on his second book, um, The First Americans Were Africans Revisited. So this one is out of print. Unless you can find it at the African American bookstore. Because on Amazon, they want four or five, six hundred dollars, stuff like that for it, right? Um, he talks about how you have the Africans known as the Khoisan. The Khoisan have the oldest DNA on the planet. They come from southern Africa. Uh, ancestors to the Ainu, A-I-N-U is one way that you see it spelled. Ancestors to the Ainu and the Twa. The Twa are derisively called pygmies in European anthropology and archaeology. So what happens is is that um, when you're going to have you have the uh, 
Khoisan that go all around the world have the oldest DNA on the planet. About 3000 BC, you're going to have Asians that come to this land, also called Mongols, M-O-N-G-O-L-S. The Africans and the Asians intermix their offspring or who we call Native Americans. Okay. And he talks about, uh, in 1607, Jamestown, Virginia, around page 67 or so, he talks about how Captain John Smith in Jamestown, Virginia, talked about being captured by a group of black Indians, right? So when we, when we, when we really study this history, the way that we think slavery started, especially in this land with the 13 colonies, is not necessarily the way slavery started. You have to go back and deal with the 800-year occupation of Europe by the Africans known as the Moors. So when I teach this history, because of the type of research that I do and who some of my teachers are, like Professor Kaba Kamene, he's one of the ones who really taught me this because he was one of the first ones who really could speak intelligently about the history of the Moors, not a, bunch, a whole bunch of conspiracy theory BS. It was he and Dr. Jose Pimenta Bay. And Dr. Jose Pimenta Bay has an essay in, the, in this book here Golden Age of the Moor. This is one of the best books dealing with the history of the Moors in medieval times. Golden Age of the Moor, edited by Dr. Ivan Van Sertema. And Renoko Rashidi, who's a friend of mine, Renoko just spoke in Detroit this past weekend. I was in Baltimore speaking at the 18th Annual Baltimore Natural Hair Care Expo, so I couldn't be with Renoko. Um, Renoko Rashidi has an essay in here. Dr. Jose Pimenta Bay has an essay in here as well. Jan Carew, uh, Dr. George, uh, Dr. John G. Jackson who wrote Christianity Before Christ, an introduction to African civilization. Okay, and then Renoko has this book as well, fantastic book. So Renoko has a, a number of books. This is one he wrote back in, uh, this came out in 2011, I think it is. Black Star, the African Presence in Early Europe. Black Star, the African Presence in Early Europe, okay? And um, you can uh, Google Renoko Rashidi. Uh, I, I'm not sure if it's... Uh, I think his website is Renoco Travel, RenocoTravels.com or TravelWithRenoco.com, something like that. Google Renoco Rashidi, R-U-N-O-K-U, R-U-N-O-K-U-R-A-S-H-I-D-I, okay, R-A-S-H-I-D-I, okay. Now, the introduction to this book is written by another bad brother named Robin Walker, okay, Robin Walker, now Renoko Rashidi is in Hidden Colors 2 from director Tariq Nasheed. Robin Walker is in Hidden Colors 4. He's the bald-headed brother with the glasses. He's from uh, England, from Britain. He speaks with an English accent. Yeah, thanks for posting that, Renoko Rashidi, okay? This book right here deals with the Moors going all throughout Europe and the 800-year occupation of the Moors as well, okay? And, and, and Renoko, hopefully he doesn't mind me showing you some of these pictures, Okay? Renoko shows you pictures like this here, right? Okay. Uh, this is this is the evidence. Because see, Renoko has traveled to about 120 islands and countries around the world. And he takes photographs documenting the African presence. He goes to museums, things like this. He takes photographs. So he has a library of somewhere, I think, between 35,000, 40,000 photographs. He's taken himself, okay? Or maybe... He was standing next to this statue, had somebody take a picture of him. But he has a library of about 35,000, 40,000 uh, pictures, okay? So this is, um, this is, see, this is dealing with uh, St. Maurice, right? The, the, uh, the Moor, St. Maurice, who became a patron saint uh, 
uh, of Germany. Okay, and here's a picture of Renoko standing in front of a statue of Saint Maurice, who was an African. Okay, Saint Maurice was an African, and this is in Germany. Now here is Alessandro de Medici, who's called uh, El, El Moro. He was he was uh, a, the Duke. He was a, a Duke of Florence. He was a Moor as well. Okay, he's of African ancestry. This is in Europe. Okay, let's get this over here for the other camera. This is in Europe. So there's a whole history of Africans. Yeah, DrRenoco.com. That's it. Okay. This St. Maurice Hotel. See, there's a whole history of this. So what I try to explain to people and what I try to explain to professors as well who teach Africana studies, things like this. You can't start the transatlantic slave trade in 1440 or the early 1440s with the Portuguese getting involved. You can't start in 1555. You can't start August 2016-19. You got to deal with the 800-year occupation of Africans throughout Europe. You got to deal with the 800-year occupation of Africans throughout Europe. That, that leads to the transatlantic slave trade taking place. That leads to Europe being brought out of the Dark Ages. When you study Christopher Columbus, Columbus set sail August 3rd, 1492 on the Nina of Santa Maria. The day before August 2nd, 1492, the Spain expels the Sephardim, the Sephardic Jews. January 2nd, 1492... They reclaimed the last stronghold of the Moors, which was um, Granada, okay? January 2nd, 1492. Columbus is using nautical instruments based upon the technology that the Moors introduced into Europe. He's using nautical instruments based upon technology that the Moors introduced into Europe. So you have to understand the chronology of history. Historical events don't happen in a vacuum. They are the culmination of a sequence of historical events. The transatlantic slave trade did not just fall out of the sky. Okay? And, and, one of, and, and, and one of the biggest mistakes that we make when we teach it, and this is what Dr. Leonard Jeffries taught me, Professor James Small, and Professor Kaba Hiawatha Combinate, you can either study it episodically, as an episode in history, or chronologically. You have to study it chronologically. Professor Kaba talks about how he, um, to understand the, the history of something, to, to understand the existence of something, you must first understand the pre-existence of existence. To understand the existence of something, you must first understand the pre-existence of existence. And I talk about how um, a people's history and culture teaches them how to deal with the problems of the past in the present and the future to meet the needs of the community. So to understand which direction we have to go in, we have to understand these hundreds and, and thousands of years of history, understand how we got to this point, to understand which direction to go in. And unfortunately, many of our leaders' cries is kept, but unfortunately, many of them don't understand our history. I'm just kidding. Some of them have good hearts and mean well, but they don't understand the history but that, they, that they claim to lead. Some of them in the civil rights era, uh, arena, and a lot of them mean well and have good hearts. But they don't study our history. Okay? So you have to understand the history of the people that you claim to work for and lead. Many of them mean well and have good hearts. Okay? But if you don't understand our history, how we got to this predicament, you won't understand how to get us out of, it, out of this predicament. 
Okay, this is why information from Dr. Claude Anderson is so important. And some of you hear my interviews with him. Dr. Claude Anderson is one of my teachers. You hear us go back and forth. But 90% of what he says, I agree with. When, when, when I lay things out, because he and I have private conversations, he, you know, he's supposed to agree with me. He, you know, he agrees with some things we disagree on, but majority of things we agree on. But still, the foundation is African history and culture. It gives us our VIPs, our values, our interests, and our principles. So we have to approach this from an African-centered perspective. And also, when we, when we deal with this, when we deal with economics, European capitalism is not going to save our people. Okay? Now, I'm not against African Americans owning businesses and things like this. My degree is in business administration. But what worked for African people historically was cooperative economics. Okay? The co-ops. We have a long history of co-ops. So you want to you, you want to get the book Collective Courage by Dr. Jessica Gordon Nemhard. And I'm trying to find this book here without this Jenga. Without the without the Jenga of books, because I got the book somewhere. It's in one of these stamps. It's one of these stacks here. I'm not sure. So give me a minute. I'm trying to find it. These are all. These are all just some of the books I got here. Marcus Garvey and the Vision of Africa, Golden Age of the Moor, African People and European Holidays and Mental Genocide by Dr. Shaka Musa Barashango. Dirty Little Secrets about Black History and its Heroes and Other Troublemakers. Dr. Claude Anderson. He's just a few of the books here. This is a good book here that I'm trying to get through. 10-Minute Guide, U.S. History. United States, What You Need to Know. This is from Britannica, from the Encyclopedia Britannica. This gives a good overview of like the last four or five hundred years of history. Let me see this. So I've got, here we go, Collective Courage. This is Dr. Claude Anderson's latest book, A Black History Reader, 101 Questions You Never Thought to Ask. Okay. This is, um, now many people saw the six-part series on PBS back in, I think it came out in 2016, 2000. 2016 I think it was no it came out in 2012 I think it was the African Americans many rivers to cross Dr. Henry Louis Gates Jr. so this is the companion book that Gates put out that's a companion to the six-part series okay now people don't know this exists the African Americans many rivers to cross this is this is a good book okay Gates, Gates does some good research. I disagree with him on some things and some things he says about the transatlantic slave trade. Because history is not Gates' background. His background is African American literature. He has a bachelor's of arts degree in history. His master's and PhD are in African American literature, not history. So that ain't really his background. But however, he wrote this with Donald Yakovin. This, this is overall, this is a good book. Now it don't deal, it don't deal with the African presence in this country. Going back at least 51,700 years ago, it doesn't deal with the history of the Moors in this country, none of that stuff, okay? Which is problematic. But there are, I mean, there are some good things in here, okay? Dr. Carter G. Whitson, the father of African American History Month, and most of our people celebrate Black History Month, don't know what they're celebrating, don't know why they're celebrating it, don't know who Dr. Carter G. Whitson was. I mean, I don't, I don't understand that, okay? Um... Is 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 about as bad as Dr. King Day. Most people celebrate Dr. King Day. Never read any books Dr. King wrote. Most of the people speaking at Dr. King Day celebrations, I've seen some of them. It's some of the saddest stuff I've ever seen in my life. Totally disrespectful to Dr. King. 
I mean, damn, if you're going to speak at a Dr. King Day celebration, at least have studied the man. Okay? But this is, um, there are not a lot of books written about Dr. Carter G. Woodson. This is from uh, Dr. Payroll uh, Dagbovi. He's a, a PhD. He's a history professor at Michigan State University. Carter G. Woodson in Washington, D.C., the father of black history. This is, I mean, this, this brother is one of our most underrated scholars. This brother co-founded the Association for the Study of Negro Life and History, September 9, 1915, which is now the Association for the Study of African American Life and History. He created Negro History Week in 1926, okay? So we, we have to study the history of this. You know, I, I do presentations on this. If you go to our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, I have like a three, four hour lecture I've done dealing with all this history. And uh, if you go to our YouTube channel, Michael M. Hotep, I-M-H-O-T-E-P, I have the, um, the video, some of the videos I did during African American History Month, some of the lectures I did, because I spoke, I did like 15 lectures in the month of February, I was speaking, I was speaking at African American churches, I was doing events, so some of the uh, presentations I did during February are there, and I deal with some of this history, dealing with Dr. Carter G. Woodson and the origins of Negro History Week. And, 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 and we have to be very clear. African American History Month, what used to be called Black History Month, this is not something white people gave us. Please stop disrespecting this brother's legacy. This brother never married, he never had children. He said he was married to his, his work. He said that his course in life that he chose to teach our people their history, I'm paraphrasing, did not yield a lot of financial rewards and he felt it was unfair to have a wife and subject her to that because it would be hard for her to hard for him to provide for his wife but this brother sacrificed sacrificed his life to educate our people who were miseducated then and largely miseducated now so it's disrespectful to this brother's legacy to lie and say things like oh white people gave us this month to celebrate no they didn't we created this. This came out of self-determination. Okay? We created this. Narrative of the life of Frederick Douglass. Frederick Douglass wrote three autobiographies. This was his first one. He was about 27, 28 when this came out. Dr. King's last book. Dr. King wrote books, people. Okay? People are shocked to find that out. Don't know why. Where do we go from here? Chaos or Community. He wrote this in 1967. This was Dr. King's first book, Stride Toward Freedom. What is this about? What is it called? The Montgomery Story. This is, a whole about, this is all about the, the history of the Montgomery bus boycott. Okay? <laughs> and it was in 1958 uh, when Dr. King was uh, doing a book signing of this book when he was stabbed in the chest by, uh, uh, with a letter opener by uh, uh, Isola uh, Ware, this crazy, this crazy African-American woman. He tried to kill her. He was stabbed in the chest with a letter opener, almost died. Okay, that was his first book. Now, this is a deep book that does a comparison between Dr. King and Malcolm, okay? And this is called Martin, Malcolm in America, A Dream or a Nightmare by James H. Cohn. This is probably the best book that deals with this. Because to, toward the end of both their lives, their ideologies were converging. Malcolm officially separated from the Nation of Islam March 8, 1964. He goes on his hajj to Mecca in late April. When he leaves the nation of Islam, he can speak freely, he can speak for himself. His ideology was steadily evolving. Dr. King's ideology from 66 to 68 was evolving. Now, contrary to popular belief, Dr. King didn't just start realizing we needed to engage in economic empowerment. That's not true. You haven't studied Dr. King. That's not true. 
But because of the Civil Rights Act of 64, the Voting Rights Act of 65, the, the next logical step was to deal with human rights, and this is what he did. But also because of the Vietnam War, and he was interviewed March of 1967 by NBC News, it's at NBC's website, NBCnews.com. They just did it digitally, they just um, digitally enhanced it, digitally mastered it, or remastered it in the last couple of years. It's a 26 minute interview, March of 1967, the month before he officially comes out against the Vietnam War. In his first speech he did against the Vietnam War, called Beyond Vietnam. Uh, April 4th, 1967, he was assassinated exactly one uh, year to the date after that, April 4th, 1968. But Dr. King in this interview, is it's called, it deals with um, Beyond Civil Rights, it deals with the Black Power Movement and Beyond Civil Rights. And he talks about how, because of the Vietnam War, it makes it much harder to draw attention to the Civil Rights Movement, to human rights and to get our issues and concerns met because this, the Vietnam War is taking place, the Vietnam War is dominating the headlines and newspapers, is dominating the newscasts, things like this. Because back at this time, keep in mind, you only have three networks, ABC, CBS, and NBC. You only have three networks. A lot of, lot of TV stations uh, at midnight go off the air. Play the national anthem, go off the air, right? You see the you see the uh, the vertical colored lines, okay? So it's totally different than than it is today. Well, people should read this book, book Martin Malcolm in America: A Dream or a Nightmare, because Dr. King and Malcolm X were were more they have were more alike, and largely than they were different, especially toward the end of both of their lives. But I went through all those books to get to this one here. Because this was underneath all those other books. Collective Courage by Dr. Jessica Gordon Nemhard. Collective Courage. And I interviewed this sister back in 2000. What year was that I interviewed her? 2014, I think it was. A History of African American Cooperative Economic Thought and Practice. A History of African American Cooperative Economic Thought and Practice. This documents how African Americans were able to survive economically during slavery, Reconstruction, all of this, how we worked together, how we pulled resources. We had the co-ops, the Colored Farmers, uh, the Colored Farmers Association, which was founded about 1896 in Texas, grows to have a little over one million members. Only last five years, because we, when we engaged in economic empowerment and cooperative economics like this, we were attacked by white supremacists, attacked by the Klan, etc. But even during slavery, we had different co-ops. We had the Benevolent Societies. We had the Free African Society uh, created in 1787. We had societies that would uh, pull resources together to buy people's freedom, buy them out of slavery, uh, to pay for burial costs, all different types of things like this. We have a, a long history of cooperative economics. We have the Color Merchants Association, created about 1928-1929, which comes out of the National uh, Negro Business League, which was founded about 1900 by Booker T. Washington. And the Color Merchants Association was um, designed largely for grocery store owners to better compete against the rise of chain stores, uh, A&P, Woolworth, Cressy's, things like this, the national chain stores. 
But what happened was, African Americans started going to white business schools, or they started going to HBCUs and learning white business principles. And then they brought these white business principles back to the African American community and tried to implement them. And we forgot about what got us over. We forgot about the cooperative economics. We forgot about the co-ops. So today, many people think co-ops are something that white people do. No, we have a history. And these were, these were principles that we brought with us from Africa as well. Like the Susu system for raising capital, which is practiced by our West African brothers and sisters. That's a type of co-op. But these are principles that we brought with us from Africa that we have largely many times forgotten. Now, um, credit unions are a type of co-op. Credit unions are a type of co-op. But we have a long history of cooperative economics, but we've forgotten that. And it's been replaced with um, white capitalism. It's been replaced with white capitalism, okay? We're going to wrap this up here in just a minute. It's been replaced with white capitalism. We're trying to use these principles that African Americans learned in, in white business schools or in some HBCUs, and they learn from African Americans who were indoctrinated with white business principles, we try to use that in our communities and largely does not work. Okay, so I'm all for having businesses and things like this, but we have to have a different model. Okay, hey, look, we got to get out of here. Visit our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. African American business owners, email us, customer service at AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. We'll let you know how you can advertise with the African History Network for your business. We can help you get new customers. Uh, we put your 30-second and 60-second commercial into our audio podcast. We can record a commercial for you at no additional charge as well. Special promotion going on a few more days. Uh, you get three months for the price of one. You can donate to the African History Network, paypal.me forward slash the AHN show, paypal.me forward slash the AHN show, or visit our website, africanhistorynetwork.com. That helps us keep doing the research. Finance the African History Network show. Finance the research. Pay the bills. Stay on the air. Okay? And those in Cleveland, I'll be uh, in Cleveland May 5th, the uh, Cleveland Natural Hair Care Expo. Visit naturalhaircareexpo.com for more information. Or we have it at our website, africanhistorynetwork.com. Hey, I got to get out of here. Uh, you can also email me, customer service at africanhistorynetwork.com if you want me to do a presentation for your group or organization. Um, this is Michael M. Hotel, founder of the African History Network, host of the African History Network show. Remember, right now, let's correct wrong behavior. It's not over till we win. Wakanda forever. We'll talk to you next time. Peace.